Alright man, this is episode number 49 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. This is being recorded on Sunday, March 5th, 2023 at 3.36pm. It's the end of the weekend, start of the work week. I uh, was going to record yesterday, man, but uh, every time I think the snow is gone, it just keeps on coming back, and we had a pretty gnarly storm overnight. had to go into work on that Saturday to do some shoveling. I was ready to come home and record, and I sat at this computer, man, and I said, there ain't no way that's going to happen right now, man. Total exhaustion, so... Had myself a cold drink, sat down, and watched a couple films instead. So here we are now. You know, on a side note, I, I didn't even realize till recently, I've been calling the Banshees of Inishirin the Banshees of Inishirin. I heard somebody else say that, and I had to actually look up, look it up how it's pronounced, and it is in fact pronounced Inishirin. So I'm sure there's... Plenty of episodes you can go back and listen to of me flubbing up that, but not a very common word you hear, so hopefully you can look past that man know what I'm talking about. Speaking of which, actually, I think the Oscars are tonight. When when are the Oscars? I know they're either tonight or next week, man. Uh, they are next week. Okay. So I've still got plenty of time to see those films that you've been meaning to see. But have been putting off. I uh, saw the cinema was putting up uh, their uh, Oscar week. They're showing all the Best Picture nominees theatrically. And uh, yeah, I think I may have actually mentioned that before. I don't know. But I, I did want to go see All Quiet on the Western Front in the cinema. <laughs> in the cinema, apologies. But the uh, timing just didn't line up with my schedule. But uh, I will be getting that 4K when it comes out. Very happy to uh, hear that is getting a 4K. And leading from that, man, I had mentioned before that uh, I wasn't too crazy about the um, live-action and animated short nominees. I uh, saw them all, and uh, I don't want to rag on any of them, but uh, none of them really stood out to me as anything exceptional or, or too memorable. You know, some were better than others, and, and I, you know, I liked some of them, but for the most part, I just thought that it wasn't the, the uh, best selection of... Uh, of uh, choices they could have done. So uh, this past weekend, I went to see the documentary shorts, and it was a total flip of the switch, man, because all five I liked. I thought all five were solid in their own right. Let me see if I can remember the names of them. Um, gosh. The first one was something. Oh, geez, Louise, man, it ain't off to a good start. Let me have a sip of coffee. See if I can rack my brain here. Hmm. I started to drink Green Mountain coffee. It's actually pretty good. Let's see, the first one was How Do You Measure a Year, I think it was called. Interesting one about this father asking his daughter a series of questions from the time when she's two until she's 18. Uh, enjoyed that one, although I don't think they should have shown the entire progression at the start, because it starts off with... Um, us seeing the daughter, you know, from two, three, four, five to 18, and then they cut back to two and go forward. And I think it would have been more interesting if they had kind of left it, not as a surprise, but kind of as we naturally see the evolution and not um, right off the bat. The second one was a net. Actually, Netflix had two of them in this, in this roster. 
The second one was called The Elephant Whisperers, which I think was my favorite of the five. It was, uh, I, you know, when I was younger, man, I don't think I fully appreciated a lot of these great nature documentaries. You know, I remember when, uh, what was it, Planet Earth came out for, this is going to date me, when it came out for Blu-ray and HD DVD, the short-lived uh, HD DVD. And I remember uh, even at the time being on online forums for physical collecting, physical media, and people were like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And, you know, this is a must-buy set. Everybody's picking up that set. And I was and I was a kid, I was like, this, this looks boring, man. I don't want to watch this. I want to watch something exciting. But uh, in the years since, just all these awesome, great nature documentaries that I've seen. And this one is, uh, I mean, it's less of a... Planet Earth, or it, it was, it's called Planet Earth, I think that's what it was called, that documentary, but this is more about uh, these, what is it, I, I can't remember where they were, uh, but they were, it was this, these people out in the forest on the largest Asian um, elephant kind of range where they take care of these elephants, and it's just uh, uh, it's completely fascinating that they talk about the a lot of the uh, deforestation that's going on and a lot of the elephants, um, you know, getting lost out there. And uh, it's, it's great, man. It's about this one elephant who has, like, been there the longest. And uh, it just could totally uh, – I think this is the longest one of them too. I uh, think so. But uh, completely captivating. Although the only problem I had with this one, I was kind of laughing to myself, was that uh, it, you think it's going to end, and then it goes on for about another five minutes, five, ten minutes, really, and they kind of just keep repeating the same points about the elephants and how they treat them like their own and, and this and that. It kind of they just kept like recycling, saying the same things, man. I'm like, no, nah, man, I, I got it. I, I definitely got it, <laughs> you know. Uh, the third one was Stranger at the Gate. And uh, this one was was really interesting because the way they way they do it is you know something might have happened. They're talking about this center for, uh, for this uh, this Muslim center in I don't remember what state it was, Indiana or something like that. And they're like they're talking about this something something happened. And you're like, what is going on? We, we meet this main guy and he's talking about his uh, his past when he was in the army. And now he was pretty. I was trained to kill. And when he came back to America, he had this um, really. Uh, he had this this prejudice against like any kind of Muslim people and stuff. And and this is one that I don't want to give too much away of because the unraveling of it I find most interesting. And and I think this is one that above all else lends itself to the short um, film format the most because uh, I could see this being dragged out much more strenuously than simply here. But. Uh, Completely captivated by this one, for sure. I uh, really like this. The fourth one was called The Haul Out. And this, I, I really love the way this one is uh, filmed. Although there's a couple times with it, man, I was uh, uh, very curious how they did some of the camera work with it being a documentary. There, there's times where, well, let me, the setup on this one, you have this guy... And he's uh, out in this remote, uh, small cabin. Again, I don't remember where it was, but it's this isolated kind of area. It's all like water and ice around and snow. And uh, he wakes up one day, and it's completely just miles and miles uh, of uh, walruses. There's uh, like some ninety-five thousand walruses, and you're thinking, "What the what the hell is going on, man?" And uh, it's it's uh, almost there's very little dialogue, and we see him. Uh, basically just living here with all these walruses around. Um, and what I was seeing before with the camera work that I thought was kind of peculiar is that there's times where the camera will be in the middle of the walrus field, which is 
quite funny to say, to feel the walruses. And you're wondering, how the hell did they get that shot out there, man? They just, the, the, the film crew just stepping over these walruses, man. Um, but uh, I was really liking this. But I think the big problem with it is that, so you're watching it, you're watching it. And then at the very end is the text that tells you what's going on. And I almost kind of wonder how the how in, how much different it would be if you knew what was going on up front, be, or if they gave the information um, throughout. Because at the end, it's like it's, it's text, and then fades out more text, fades out more text, and it's just like, whoa, wait a minute, guys, you waited till the last second to do all this. This is wild as hell, man. You should have, I think, should have spread it out. Um, but I do really like this one, too. Like I said, not a whole lot of dialogue. You just follow this one guy. Um, I mean, I had a lot of questions behind it, too, where exactly he's getting... Because it shows him at one point he's digging through some cigarettes to make uh, smaller cigarettes to get the tobacco... Well, you know, to get tobacco out of those cigarettes and make them. And I was like, okay, so he doesn't have a whole lot of resources. And then uh, a couple scenes later, he's got a whole pack of cigarettes. And I'm like, what the... I think we missed something there, man. How the hell is this guy eating? Uh, but good stuff. Really like this one. And then the last one is the Martha Mitchell effect. This uh, was an interesting story. I, I have uh, never even knew about um, about the this woman uh, Martha Mitchell who was married to I think it was Nixon's like right hand guy or I don't like man. I, I, some of these details you're gonna have to forgive me on. You know, it's like just <laughs> I've worked all day drinking this coffee here trying to wake up. So I do uh, I do apologize for some of the uh, my. Uh, shortcomings and in information, but she's married to this fellow who's close to Nixon, and uh, they, they play some uh, recordings of Nixon on the phone saying that he, uh, you know, they're talking about Watergate and how she was this uh, this uh, larger-than-life personality, and she was, you know, going out there and talking to the paparazzi, to the, uh, not the paparazzi, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the papers and stuff, and they're like, oh, we love her, and, you know, this and that, and Nixon gets involved with Watergate, and, and he's, there, there's some calls that uh, he's like, hey, we got to get her out of here, you know, she's causing problems and stuff, and this is another good one, too. I really like uh, historical kind of political documentaries like this, uh, you know, coming in here not without uh, really no political bias or kind of, uh, you know, uh, political ideology, just telling you the facts and telling you kind of the circumstances of this time about, you know, the Vietnam War, and all this going on. Um, I mean, if I only had a, I mean, the only real issue I think I might have had with it is, uh, I mean, it kind of could be a, a double-edged sword in terms of a compliment and kind of a, 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 a critique is that I do wish this this could actually have been uh, a full feature-length documentary. I feel like there's a lot of information here, and at a certain point, I, I found myself. Um, kind of scratching my head as to some of the conclusions that uh, they had connected to Martha Mitchell. And I think that's in due part because they're just trying to put so much information in that some of the, um, some points I think needed to be fleshed out because I don't, I mean, truthfully, I didn't even know, I didn't fully get what Watergate was until really not even that long ago, man. You can call it ignorance and that's pretty much what it is, but I wasn't even totally familiar with what exactly that scandal was. And I listened to a fascinating podcast, um, and uh, it's these two guys who are like, uh, and they just went through all the presidents and stuff and talked about, uh, which is funny because it's not really my kind of like, you know, it was a uh, it was a comedy podcast that I listened to and they were doing a whole back and forth about like the, you know, going from all going through all the presidents and and their highs and their lows and where America was at that point. It's it completely fascinating and and they they broke down Watergate and did it in a very uh, interesting way. But like this one as well. Um, I if any five of these won, I I mean whichever five of these win, whichever one of these five win, I'll be happy with. I really enjoyed all of these. I mean, documentaries are just 
totally, if they're done right, they're just the best kind of, some of the best kind of cinema, really. I, I find that to get engrossed in a great documentary, to get engrossed in a good documentary can sometimes be better than a great film because you find yourself really kind of obsessing and interested, look, wanting to look it up after the fact. I remember uh, just, just there's so many documentaries that you see that are just, you just find, your, I, I find myself just looking up just more about them and stuff. Uh, an acquaintance of mine uh, lent me a copy of The Devil and Daniel Johnson, uh, which was a, one that I didn't really didn't know anything about. I, I had no idea who Daniel Johnson was. And, you know, after the documentary, I found myself looking up, you know, what happened to him since the documentary and his music and all that stuff. And it's just, uh, it's great, man. It's completely engrossing. And you just don't forget about them, man. They're just, if they're done well, that is. They're just, uh, I love them. So all five of these are totally up my alley. And uh, if you get the opportunity this week uh, or after the fact, check these out. Um, I would say make, if you, you know, I'd recommend these five documentaries more so than the live action and and, and um, animated ones. And not to say that uh, none of them were bad. Let me put that way. There's ten of them there. There's five and five, and none of them are bad. I just didn't think any of them particularly stood out for me. They were all very just kind of uh, average, I thought. Um, but I thought all five documentaries here were worth your time, man. Um, let me get a sip of this coffee here. This coffee's delicious. Mm on the radio or any kind of audio talk, you want to make sure there's no moments of silence or very little moments of silence because, uh, you want to keep it kind of flowing, man. You don't listen to a radio station and, uh, you know, you don't have the host talking and, and, you know, stops and thinks about it. It just goes, you know, it just goes and goes. Although, uh, you know, you got a guest on or something like that. There can be pauses. You got to want to try to find that balance between a good back and forth of just a good conversation and but uh, not having too much dead air, as they say. With that uh, said, you know, I was going to talk about this film. Maybe I'll save it for next week because it's a film that I just I forgot to talk about a while ago. I had I haven't I watched this film a couple months ago and I wanted to talk about it. and I just completely forgot to. And uh, maybe I'll save that for next week because I do want to talk about some of these films, which is uh, the follow up to the list videos. And I love doing this one. I love doing the follow-ups as well. I love doing the lists, man. They're, they're a ton of fun. I uh, I will say for the 2021, though, that was the one that uh, I I had a lot of fun with. Um, I enjoyed rewatching a lot of stuff, but it definitely made me want to put a cap on some of the recent years because so many of these films I had already seen that I ended up just... I, I didn't necessarily have an idea of a top 10, but there were a couple films in there that I knew were going to make it. So the element of surprise in that regard of... Um, you know, looking at the list afterwards is is lost a little bit. I knew that. Um, well, spoiler if you don't want to, if you want to uh, listen to the list episode, uh, just skip this part. But I knew that either Red Rocket or Licorice Pizza was going to be my favorite of the year. There was no doubt about that. Um, you know, unless something just completely came out of nowhere, but uh, it was very unlikely. But um, there were plenty of just solid, great films that I saw for twenty twenty one. And uh, I just want to talk about a couple of them. Some of them are rewatches. Some of them are first-time watches. But all are worth being talked about. Let me get another sip of the old Green Mountain here. And we'll go right into it. In fact, I'm going to pause it so I can enjoy this cup. And just like that, finish the cup. All right, man. So, a couple of these films really liked a lot. You know, on a second viewing... I really wanted to push this film up, but 
it was just falling short. That's the uh, one of two of the uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, if I said that correct. He made two films in 2021. Drive My Car was the big one of the two. I'll talk about the other one in a second as well. But when I saw this theatrically, I think I uh, wasn't fully appreciative of it. I saw it uh, not late at night, but it's a three-hour film, heavy on dialogue, uh, almost exclusively dialogue. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting in the cinema at the end of the night and I'm just, you know, I just, my attention is not fully there. And sometimes it just happens, man. Circumstances, whatever it might be. So rewatching this film, um, this just, it totally just shot, my opinion on this just completely shot up. Um, this is three hours and, uh, but it doesn't, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't feel like three hours because there are a couple of, you, you're aware of the runtime, but it's never boring. It's constantly doing something interesting with these characters and the character writing. I really liked the dynamic between the lead. If you don't know what the film is about, you have this guy who's a playwright. And his uh, wife was, I think she was a screenwriter. She was another writer as well. They love each other, but she dies. So we cut to some time later and he's doing this new um, He's doing this new play in a different part uh, where he has to go to. I don't remember exactly where, but they want they uh, require that he has a driver. So it's this uh, kind of young girl, and um, you know he he really values his time in the car. He wants to go over his lines because he's a screen because he he wrote it. He he's also an actor as well. Um, and there's a dynamic that comes into the film where you have another character who he previously had a. Uh, he previously had an encounter with to me to, to leave it at that. And the, he decides to put him as one of the leads in this play. So we kind of work with the relationship between him and this main guy and the girl in the car as well. And never in a way that feels um, insincere or melodramatic. There is not those... Uh, ridiculous monologues uh, that oftentimes can plague a, a film's realism where characters, you know, you watch a film and a character has this big monologue and it can it can be powerful, um, but if, it's, if the writing's not there, then everything else that is not good about it is going to stick out more, you know. They never stutter on their words. It's the most profound thing you've heard. It's, it's ridiculous, man. It's, it's, how often does that happen, man? Um, here, there's none of that. It's just a, a very well-told story. It's a quiet character film. There's very little score in the film as well. When it does use uh, pieces of music it's to uh, enhance the mood of it. I mean, I love these long shots of the car driving. Long shots meaning, like, literally. You just see this long stretch of road ahead. Not, not long as in the runtime of each shot. But they know when to play the music at the right time. And I just found this to be such a cozy and touching film that on a second viewing, I was able to appreciate a lot more. And the other film that he directed in 2021 was Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which I didn't like as much, but is still very good. It's three stories, um, the middle of which I thought was the most interesting of the three, the way that they handle a back and forth between these two characters, which I don't, it's a little, not even, it's a little tricky to talk about these shorter kind of stories without just giving away the whole thing, but it's a, uh, a character is trying to persuade another character, and the, the pieces of dialogue that they balance off each other was 
really solid. You know, I think I do want to rewatch this at some point, but I wanted to just highlight this because it is the same director in the same year. And it's not too often that we get filmmakers who make two films in the same year. Contemporary, that is, nowadays. You know, back then they'd have just... I mean, how many films did Fresh, <laughs> Jess Franco make in a year? You can tell how tired I am, man. I almost called the man Fresh Janko. Jeez, Louise, man. But both are uh, worthy of your time, for sure. I can see here. Spencer was one that got a lot of talk when it came out, and I had missed it in the cinema. Another one I really enjoyed as well. Um... Who was the director on this, man? Pablo Lorraine. I thought that name sounded familiar. You know what? That's what it was. Okay. Well, he directed a film a couple years ago, uh, Jackie, with Natalie Portman, which I never saw. Um, It didn't particularly pique my interest. Um, But he did another film that I've been wanting to see, Tony Manero, uh, which I tried to watch a little while ago, and I couldn't find a a place for it. It was the guy who was obsessed with Saturday Night Fever and... uh, I've heard, I've heard some really solid things about that. Um, it's, uh, it's the film that I did see that I liked a lot that is kind of really not talked about a lot from 2012. It's this film, No, starring Gail Garcia Bernal. And I always got to look up whether it's him or Diego Luna because they both look the same. They were both in Utamami Ambien. And uh, I get them mixed up all the time. I can't even tell you the amount of time where I said, oh, that's a Diego Luna film, and it's Gail Garcia Bernal. And then they did Rudo and Kersey. Now, No is a solid film, man. This is if you, When you get an opportunity, uh, look up the trailer for this film, because the way this is filmed, it's really interesting. It's, it's filmed on, like, an 80s, like, almost news camera, kind of. It's got a very distinct look to it that I don't, I've never seen another film shot like this. And uh, I remember seeing it theatrically and being really impressed by it. Uh, but Spencer is the one that I loved, loved this film, man. I uh, When I initially started watching it, I really didn't know how I was going to feel with it. You know, I I think when I first saw, when I first heard Crystal Stewart in the film, I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't know about this. But then the more I'm watching it, the less, you know, I mean, Kristen Stewart has, has proven herself to be a solid actor, a solid contemporary actor. She's, you know, I, I some of her recent work, uh, I found her very interesting in, uh, even if I'm not always crazy about the film, like I wasn't crazy about the, about Seabrook, but I thought her performance was very good. And uh, she was in uh, a film I love, Adventureland, um, from 2009. That's a Greg Matola film. And uh, that's just a, what a terrific film that is. Um, just one of my favorite films of the, uh, of the 20s, of the 2000s. But Spencer, it's a very mannered film. There's lots of great tracking shots. Um, these big open fields that were reminding me at times of something like, kind of last year at Marion Bad, in terms of, I would say, uh, the move to a certain extent. Last year at Marion Bad is a, it's a, not a film I'm comparing to at all. It's a very different kind of film. I'm just saying it more so these giant open kind of um what's the word i'm looking for like uh uh these gosh you know i apologize i can't even find the word right now but but some of the some of the the ways that the camera was set up looking out you know on like a on like a pier and i just looking out into like these organized like bushes and stuff you know i swear it, this always happens i'm gonna i'm gonna stop recording this in about an hour i'm gonna say that's the word i meant to look that's what i meant to say um 
But, um, yeah, Kristen Stewart quickly won me over. Solid performance. Sally Hawkins is a small role. She's always a delight to see. Uh, she's, in this, she's in this new film coming out that looks pretty good about, uh, about her finding the, uh, the, the grave site or the, where um, some, some king died in Scotland. I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> I don't remember anything today, man. But, uh, dude, man, I just was totally engaged with this film, man. It's just it, you really get into the headspace princess diana of just this you know she's telling herself it's only this three-day weekend that she's there for christmas and but just this feeling of being an outsider and, and this is uh this kind of mental anguish that she's going through without it being melodramatic as i was saying with drive my car there is no big comical breakdown scene just a, you scream and shout and uh there's none of that nonsense man it's a much more mannered film than that and um just really really enjoyed this one uh spent this was a first time watch and uh these two spencer and drive my car were two that i was trying to find a way to get into the top 10 but the top 10 i just all 10 of those films i was just like oh, i can't get rid of any of these you know um it's just great stuff man really enjoyed both those uh but then i'm looking here i mean a lot of the ones that went up i will say titane was a rewatch that I'm glad I rewatched. I think when I initially saw it theatrically, I didn't. I wouldn't say I disliked it, but I don't. I didn't quite know what to make of it because it's doing so many different things that initially, I don't think fully worked for me. You have this first act where you get this um, really kind of heightened experience of this uh, woman who. Uh, I mean, he has, has this relationship with a, the sexual relationship with a car and you're like, what? you're wondering, okay, it's going to go in this direction and, and be this kind of heightened reality. And it has that throughout. I mean, there's moments throughout where it has this really heightened, like she's, uh, you know, she gets impregnated by the car and she's like leaking motor oil and stuff. And, and you hear that premise and you're like, uh, oh, this is, you think it's going to be one kind of thing, but then you get into the, then to the middle and it becomes the serial killer plot. You're like, what the hell is going on, man? And then you get into to the second half of the film and it just completely flips on its head you know you have the heightened reality these exaggerated moments and sequences but then you have this really incredibly tender relationship between a father missing his son and her who is impersonating the son and there's one line in the film man that when i saw it again it just made the made the hairs on my arm stand and i don't even know if i want to give it away or not um it's a line that the father says to her um and I don't want to give it away, man, because it's not even a spoiler, but I think I'm not going to, one, I don't want to butcher it. And two, I think you need to hear it in the context. It is what I was talking about before with, you know, like a, a film like uh, like Licorice Pizza or something. It's this, it's this something, when I say romantic, I don't mean any kind of like lustful or sexual romance. I, I, more of like a friendship, I guess, but it's something that goes much more than just being like all oh, these two are friends or these two are lovers and they're going to say that. And that's, that's their line. I love you. I love you. That's the line. It's something that he's, that when he says it, it's so much more heartfelt and so much more sincere than just a simple other piece of dialogue you could use. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one on a second viewing. It makes you want to rewatch raw from the same filmmaker. I don't know her name. I want to pull her name up right here. Julia do sort do Cornell because Rye had a similar kind of feeling where when I I haven't seen that film since but when I um I initially saw that theatrically I liked it but I was like ah, I gotta really sit on this and I think that if I rewatched it I'm gonna uh have a greater opinion on it I, I'm I'm confident man but we'll see 
I don't have too much time left, so uh, I didn't get to nearly the other films I, I wanted to. There's some other films I wanted to mention. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get time to do it, man. Just some other films in here. That are, my, the complete list is on Letterboxd. If you just look up Dan the Caraman, you can find it on there. I'm happy to say there were only four films, I could say, out of 84 that I could say I didn't like. Um, at least that I would, let me say four films that I wouldn't recommend. I mean, I'd recommend all films, but if you was like, Hey, I'm going to put this on right now. Should I watch this film? Or would you watch this film? And I'd be like, ah, nah, I wouldn't. Um, a four out of 84 is not bad. Cause everything above that, I mean, even films that are like number 80, 79, 78. I mean, there's, there's, it's like, yeah, you know, kind of middle of the road on, you know, some things they did good, some uh, didn't really only the bottom four would say like, ah, that was kind of, that wasn't good. That was not a good film. Um, but other than that, man, weekend is at an end. The work week is beginning for most people, unless you're like me and you work on Sunday, then you're starting off the week headstrong, man. This is not the time to sit back and relax. This is the time to get the work done. We're going to be going into the spring sooner before we know it. And we're going to try not to get distracted because, you know, in winter you stay inside, you stay in from the cold. In spring and summer you want to go out and do all this crazy stuff and get distracted and... Got to stay focused, man. Got to stay headstrong. And that's what we're going to do. You guys, make sure to catch up on your Oscar films if you need to. Plenty of them are streaming. I'm sure of it. I think almost all of them are available to watch at home. But don't quote me on that, man. Because I'm going to get that wrong. So, you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your night as well, whatever it might be. And uh, let's, let's get the job done, man.